Good afternoon. I'm your host, Sean Armkunis, and welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. A musical quote for today. What has keys, but can't listen to the beauty it unlocks? A piano. Jared Kintz. And I think that's a great segue into introducing my guest. My guest today is someone who I've gotten the pleasure to work with, and she's an incredible pianist, she has a hilarious sense of humor, and she works really well with others. Musier, currently at Ithaca College doing a master's in collaborative piano, and being at the service of IC singers and instrumentalists. She grew up in New Zealand to Chinese parents, and went on to do a bachelor's degree in solo piano performance at Yang Siu To Conservatory of Music in Singapore. There, she played solo concerts, collaborated with children, friends, professionals, and everyone in between. She also explored a lot of Southeast Asia, discovering a lot of delicious foods, and at one point went home to play with the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra, the orchestra which she grew up attending concerts of. Hey, Muse, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. And you? I'm doing fine. I just, I'm so sad that we couldn't, finish out uh the semester together and finish my recital i was really I looking know, forward we to were it supposed to do a recital together right and it was terrible i feel so bad um and i was really <laughs> looking okay. forward Maybe to it there'll be a next time definitely hopefully we'll be there be a next time so how are you doing with this quarantine right now how are you staying sane um so i recently actually invested in some recording gear so i have a mic and yeah, all of these things. So I've been kind of trying to make some, trying to make some recordings here and there, um, just of music that I like and have been wanting to get to. And you also helped out Marissa with her sort oh, yeah, of virtual did, recital. We did her recital, which was a lot of repertoire, but it was fun doing it. And we were outside, and we get, tried to get some nice scenery in there, and it was fun. Yeah, you had a good time with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, since the virus had sort of taken over society and sort of ruined a lot of plans, and um, I feel like the thing that I miss the most is just talking to people like you or talking to friends that I have in the grad department and just yeah, talking sure. to people. I think that that's sort of what I miss the most right now. What's something yeah. that you miss the most that the virus has taken away? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I mean, it's the physical interactions between people, right? Yeah. I mean, as as much as Zoom can allow us to talk, you know, somewhat face to face, it's like the physical presence. It's very different. And I mean, for me as a collaborative pianist, too, it's like that was basically my life, you know, <laughs> rehearsing with people and, you know, being at places where like a lot of people are like choir rehearsals and yeah. you know with you with your recital and everybody else's too so right i yeah. do miss that sort of physical connection but honestly i'm kind of also enjoying um looking into myself and finding out what music means to me and hmm. so i think you know it's it's a good balance because when during semester you know how my schedule is like too you know <laughs> it was it was quite busy Right. No, now I, I usually wake up at 11 and I'm like, 
oh, I have a podcast in a few hours. Oh, I can put it together. But but now for you, what? How has your schedule changed? Is it is it sort of diminished? Has it sort of been slower? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I have. Well, because my semester this um, this spring is was quite um, heavily performance based, mm. so a lot of those have kind of just disappeared. So mm. I only have like one thing a day, maybe sometimes nothing a day. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely right. a lot less than before. Yeah. So, as you were growing up in New Zealand, what was the sort of the music scene like as you were growing up there? Um, so I went to like a sort of like a public high school, but we had a really good and extensive music department. Mm. So we had an extra like a full orchestra. We had five or six choirs. We had a jazz band, a symphonic band. You know, it's like there were so many things that we could just get our hands into. Hmm. And I actually used to play bassoon. So oh. in high school I picked up bassoon and played in the orchestra and all of those things for five years. Um, and we had, you know, like regional competitions for, uh, for like as a soloist, right. but also in, um, as, as a country, like nationally, there were choir competitions and there were chamber music competitions. So we got to go a lot of places with our friends and, you know, do all these fun things like travel and yeah. eat and, you know, play music and compete. So it was really, there was a lot going on, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Besides bassoon, did you play any other instrument at the time? No. No. no but that was also, in high school was the first time I sang like publicly for the first time yeah <laughs> yeah what was that like oh it was it was kind of scary so i kind of grew up as a shy little kid you know mm. who's like sort of happy being in the corner i can't tell time. now i mean you are so outgoing <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people tell me that <laughs> no it was great so i auditioned for this uh thing in jazz band they were like oh come and try out the singers and mm. i did and um i got the chance to sing with a big band which is amazing yeah <laughs> what was that experience like how do you mean what was it like uh how is the soundscape different from maybe just singing in the shower or singing sort of personally how did it sort of feel performing oh. in front of people <laughs> well with the jazz band, I'm sure you know because you play in a jazz band, right? There's just so much sound behind you, yeah. and it's mic'd, so it's very, it's kind of a different experience from even like even classical, um, and it feels a little a little bit more supported just because you have so many people behind you, and yeah. you know all the, um, the brass is like, it's like a sound, it's like a wall yeah. that just that you can um, stand in front of. So when you started playing piano. Who were your earliest inspirations? Um, so I kind of moved around. So I was born in China, so I, I can't really remember right. who my teachers were. Right. But I'm sure they were really important because I think they did give me a good foundation. Right. Right. And I don't know if you heard this stereotype of like Asian kids practicing piano at, you know, like five, eight hours a day. And if you don't do it right, your mom will come and smack you with a chopstick, <laughs> you know? So that sort of thing. Um, but when I was a kid, apparently I actually really enjoyed doing it and I didn't really need anyone telling me what to do. Right. Um, so I think at that stage it was probably just me. But um, it was definitely, when I moved to, I had some really good teachers who pointed me in the right directions and um, 
I actually had this teacher who would like sort of just sit and practice with me and show me all the right ways or the most efficient ways to get something done, which, you know, like that's really helpful for a kid because sometimes you go home and then you just like play it through kind of a couple of times and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm done. But he would sit with me and say, okay, this passage, do it like this, you know, mm. maybe do it different rhythms, yeah. do it all loud, um, do it staccato, you know, and then after a few times through, you kind of realize, oh, this is actually helping me a lot. So when you do go home, you're not like wasting your time just doing random things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you like decide to play piano? Was it a younger age or was it more of an older age? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I can't remember. Honestly, I always <laughs> say that I can't remember a time that I wasn't playing piano. Right. So according to my mom, though, I started when I was three, three, four, something wow. like that. Yeah. So literally wow. all my life. <laughs> right. When did you decide that this was something you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Mm. You know, honestly, I'm still de- deciding. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we make that choice every day, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes you wake up, you know, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Or I don't know if you ever have that. Right. No, I, but, um, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I, th- I say most clearly, like, a conscious choice in high school when I was doing all those music things and in chamber groups. And I realized that um, working with people and creating this thing together was something that I found joy in and wanted to do. Mm. Um, that being said, I did go on to do a bachelor in solo piano, so that wasn't really exactly that. But um, I right. knew that through music I could find joy, I guess. So I decided that this was the thing that I wanted to keep going. So when you went... But also because, like, you know, I don't really do anything else. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. Um, so when you went to your undergrad at, uh, I'm going to say this totally wrong, Yang Su To, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, I practiced that so many times. Okay. <laughs> uh, in Singapore, um, and you had to be, you were bilingual at that point, right? Yeah. You felt like, yeah, yeah. Um, and you had to work with uh, children, you worked with adults, you worked with performers. What was the best earliest memory with music you had at that school? Mm. Um, wow, so much. Because on, I think Singapore gave me so much. And just being there in that environment, we had amazing teachers, like faculty that um, sort of opened up our mind about how we thought about music and what them through their own stories. Right. So the learning part of it definitely was, you know, very beneficial. Yeah. Um, I also got the opportunity to work with a lot of different people. Okay. Oh, are we stuck? No, you're actually okay. I can see you, all right? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you're kind of frozen on my screen. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, oh. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, we. I so I got to. I got the opportunities to teach, like privately and also in music schools. Um, I got to play with people who, you know, like professionals who came and did concerts as a part of school, but also you know outside organizations. Um, we had these programs where we'd go and teach underprivileged kids, mm. and some with you know like mild autism and things like that. So it was. So many things happened in that, and it really, I think, changed me a lot in ha- the, the, a lot of the ways that I thought about music. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about your experiences working with uh, those with special needs? Um, I don't know how much I can say, honestly, because it was like a one semester thing. Right. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's always a joy working with children because they're so like open to the world most of the time. And they're yeah. just, you know, they sh- you show them something, they're like, yeah. And then they just take it and fly with it, you know, mm. and you show them one note on the violin and then, you know, all of a sudden they can do all these different things. And so it was very sweet. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any students of your own? Uh, I don't know. I used to teach quite a bit um, when I was in Singapore. At one point in my junior year, I think I had about 10 or 15, you know, somewhere in that range. Mm. And it was kind of crazy because junior year was quite busy, right? <laughs> we had a lot of classes and, you know, a lot of things to do yeah. in school. And um, so I would travel out like every day to the kids' house. Right. But it was good. Like, I learned so much from teaching others, mm. you know, like things that, you know, maybe we get told, but then when you start retelling and you realize something different in that. Mm. What's something that you would tell a beginner pianist to do? Oof. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's it. Mm. Like, as a kid? Yeah. Or What would you recommend to them, like, early on as they're starting to practice and they're playing like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for the first time. What would you say to them? You know what, for me, I would say, if if I was working with a trumpet player for the first time, I would say, go out there and go listen to someone. I mean, you may not really know people who play the trumpet right away, but go on YouTube and just find someone that you will say, you know what, hey, that sounds really cool. Listening for me would be something, uh, anything that you might want to recommend. Okay, um, I think because a lot of, like, especially with piano, um, kids yeah. start really young. Yeah. So I think for them, the most important thing is having this, like, having a person with them, I think is the most important thing. Mm, okay. Whether it's a parent or, like, as the teacher, you know, you kind of establish this connection where they have fun with you and then they trust you and they want to do this thing with you. I think that's really important mm. because if you're like four, like four years old and I tell them, oh, go on YouTube and listen to this thing, they're not going to be like, I don't think they're going to get out of it what I would like them to get out of it. Okay. So I think having someone to show them um, that they can do this thing together is important. Sure. Okay. So... When did you sort of move into collab piano? Was it something that was gradual? Was it something you're like, you know what? I think this is what I'm meant to do. Or was it something that you were like, you know what? I'm not really sure still about. Hmm. I, so I did a lot of collab during my undergrad. Um, just, it's just, I guess how it happened. Like I didn't really try very hard to get into it. Right. Um, but, you know, when I first went to Singapore, I knew I, I liked playing for choirs because during my high school, um, I got the opportunity to play with a great choir and a great director. Um, so when I first went there, I sort of uh, emailed a bunch of random choirs who I didn't know anything about um, and say, look, uh, I'm here and I'm a pianist and if you ever need someone, um, feel free to call me up. Um, 
and sometimes you know you'd be surprised how well that works yeah yeah so out of that I got uh, a couple of gigs and then in these gigs you know people came up to me and was like hey do you want to do this thing for us this other you know two months later or do you want to teach my daughter or you know so so much came out of that yeah um but also in school you know because I was in a conservatory with a lot of great musicians and who were very proficient in the in the instruments so we would play together a lot and I kind of I kind of was always known in me that I'm not gonna really be a solo pianist <laughs> and so collab was something that I naturally wanted and felt more at home doing too so mm. But actually, funny story, when I auditioned for my master's at Ithaca, I didn't actually audition for the collaborative piano degree. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, Dr. Um, Harris Damaris, he saw that on my uh, resume, there were a lot of collab experiences and he asked me, is it something that you'd like to do? Because, you know, it's very helpful to have that. Too. Mm. And I said, you know, I do want to do that, but um, seeing as my senior recital was now and I, I didn't have time to prepare a lot of different repertoire for auditions. Mm. And so I sort of had like a mini collab audition with uh, my professor now. And mm. so that's how everything sort of shifted. Right. Almost accidentally, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Mm. So here, here's something that I, I was blown away when I read your bio that once you were able to come home and play with an orchestra that you had sort of like been to like concerts as a kid what was that like oh it was amazing i mean it's one thing to play solo piano and it's a whole different thing to play a concerto with an orchestra yeah and an orchestra that you grew up listening to too and i mean they're not like vienna phil or you know but still it's like a nostalgic memory you know and something that means a lot to me but did um, you there's play? A, there's a competition in New Zealand. It's like the oh. concerto competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I got through um, the rounds, and um, one of the final rounds was to play that with an orchestra, which is great. I played Ravel G Major. Oh, nice! Wow, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the piece for trumpet. Favorite excerpt. Oh, my my all-time favorite excerpt. Um, <laughs> they always say it's either too fast or too slow for trumpet players but um but that's awesome i'm so glad that you were able to do that i needed to ask you something mm-hmm. you you were in china and you were yeah. in new zealand but how did you ever come to this small town of ithaca from <laughs> from those big humongous cities um so i wanted to well my teacher when i was in singapore was from the states and actually like over 50 percent of our faculty was you know, American, I think, or right. American and British. Right. So is and I mean, the world knows America is the place to be. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now um, more so, than ever, but I mean, <laughs> of course, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but um, so I kind of always knew that I wanted to go to the states. Mm. Um, so when I was searching for schools, I actually wanted to find somewhere with a big theater department too, because I wanted to be involved hmm. with other performing arts that's outside of music. Right. Um, since from a conservatory, you know, like it's all, it's very heavily music. Right. We didn't have like, other sorts of performing arts. So I wanted to be in that sort of culture. So that's how I found Ithaca because we have a good music department, but we also have a stellar musical theater department. Oh yeah. So, 
so Muse, I want to ask you this. Um, into your first year at IC, what have been your favorite memories? Wow. I could tell you that when you when you just did the blessing with the um, with the Woco kids, mm -hmm. this for that for their last concert, that was quite memorable and quite quite beautiful. I might say it was really really great. Mm. You mean great the track. one that they recorded? Yeah. Put together. Mm. Yeah, that was really. Did you you yeah. did that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> um. Honestly, just getting to play with so many different people and so many different instruments and so many different kinds of music. I think that's been, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint like one specific thing. I mean, even um, with you, just like rehearsing, you know, the, the, some of them were stuff that I've never played before. And so it was very, um, it's very mind blowing in a way, yeah. you know, to, be in touch with so many different things and so many yeah. so many French pieces that me and Angela had to throw at you at this one <laughs> lecture that we did and you were like oh I'm gonna try this one and I was like oh my god I feel so bad because she's playing so much stuff but she was like you know what hey give me a hundred bucks I'm in and I was like that's that's perfect yeah. that's great um, Muse do you want to explain some of your musical tastes before we end this first segment uh my musical tastes. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I can tell you what I don't listen to. It's probably easier. All right. <laughs> what do you What do you not like? I don't really listen to metal or rap or Interesting. You know, screamo kind of things. I mean, I I would have pegged else. you for a screamer, but no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just really that sort of vibe. <laughs> um. Yeah. But I think, you know, we find like little gems in every genre. Yeah. I think for me, when I tell people about my musical taste, I say it just has to like, it has to fit a groove. You know, I, I feel like when I listen to something, it has to just pop out at me. Um, like when we were working together and I said, when we do Incantation, Thrun and Dance, um, this piece, uh, written by a sort of a atypical person, not someone you really listen to a lot of, but mm -hmm. when I started listening to it, I was like, this is just so different than anything else I've ever played. And I think I like challenging my audiences that way too. Like I want to have them listen to something that they might necessarily be like, you know what? That actually sounds pretty cool in that context. Mm. And something I did with uh, my last recital, I did with Oliver Scott, we did a piece called Lightning Fields, where we had to explore different places around the US. And it was kind of like this like really intense, sort of like, what's the most scariest place you can sort of picture? And one of the places was the Lightning Fields in New Mexico, because oh. that's where all the lightning sort of tracks around. and. I was corrected by the professor. It's like it's not the scariest place in in the world, but I, you know, I I stand to my guns here. I think that um, when you look at something with something that intense, you have to sort of think about what you like and don't like. I I think in that way, but I I did enjoy your playlist, and we will get to your playlist. 
but we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you, Muse. And we're back. Uh, Muse, we're gonna check out your playlist right now. And what a variety what a variety of songs, Muse. You put together a very good list of songs. <laughs> we're gonna start out with Dodie, uh, the artist, uh, the song Intertwined. And I was just mentioning to you that this is the second Dodie song that I had in my podcast. The first one's my sister's. And I need to ask you, I, I don't even know how people hear of these artists. How did you first hear of Dodie? Um, you know, I can't remember either. But I, at some point, I came across it and was like, I love this so much. Because in her voice, it just sounds so natural. And everything that she's trying to express through the words and the music um, is not too complicated or too, like, brainy or smart. You know, it just says what it needs to say. Right. And here is a little bit of that song, Dodie Intertwined. something so delicate about what she's talking about and I really enjoy the aspect of the acoustic music that's brought through this do you do you enjoy listening to acoustic music I do yeah it's, it's something that's so to me feels so pure and like from the heart you know without any sort of makeup right yeah but at the same time, there is some sort of sexualism to the song. Would you say? Also, Would you say? They were talking about different body parts and such. Oh. And in the um, the music video that I was just playing, there's two Barbie dolls that are both naked in in a, <laughs> in a bed together. But I mean, that could that yeah. could just be my interpretation, but. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that, but I think of it more as like, so you can interpret nakedness as like openness, right? And bare, and you know, like nothing to hide, hmm. rather than necessarily sexual. I think for me in this context, anyhow. Okay, okay. What kind of genre of music is this? Um, so I'm not very good at putting things into boxes. So I'm not really <laughs> sure. I guess pop. <laughs> I, I think there's some jazz element to it too in a way like it's like a it, it has it has a structure it's like a 32 bar song form 
in a way. Right. Yeah. So I, I sort of think about it in that way. But um, mm. I'm glad you mentioned that the song des- def- definitely mentions openness and talks about mm. feelings. Do you think she she's talking about anyone in particular? Yeah, I mean, probably. Like, I think all... Uh, writers or artists, composers, whatever, uh, inspired by something, whether it's related directly to them or something a long time ago or something even in their imagination that they think about. I mean, so I'm not sure if she's talking about something like that's happened to her at that time at that moment, but I'm sure somewhere in her head there is someone that she's thinking about. Yeah. Right, yeah. I didn't mean to sexualize the song, but I wanted to no, no. <laughs> think about what you I've actually never saying. seen it that way, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause right, yeah. Now I can kind of, you know, see it from a different perspective. Yeah. So the next song you gave us is by Michael Bublé. Uh, the song is called Home. There is always something calming about Michael's voice. I think that's that's something to yes. be said. Are you a fan of Michael Bublé? I, I know some serious jazzers are like, oh my gosh, never ever. Oh, I love Michael Bublé. I think that yeah. um, my girlfriend would be mad at me if I didn't like Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I think that if... I, th- I think that there's an aspect of his singing that I really do like. I think that there's... I mean... I mean, what what do you... Do you, do you like his voice? I mean, obviously you do, do, but yeah. I do love, I love his voice and... <laughs> You know, I guess everybody kind of knows him for the all the Christmas albums, and I'm not an exception to that. Right. Um, but also, so sometimes, you know, certain pieces of music, like, edges its way in our memory in, in a way that's, like, not really logical. Mm. So for me, this song, when I was in Singapore, sometimes when I couldn't really sleep, I would go on these massive long walks. And Singapore's kind of a safe country, you know, so you don't really worry about, like, a girl alone at night walking on the streets but anyway so i had this album of um my boobie songs and i can't remember which album it was but I, it was like one of the only um music that i had downloaded on my phone anyway so it was on replay yeah and every time i hear this song it would just give me this like great nostalgia back then so now when i listen to it it's like another layer of it because it reminds me of the time when i was there and i was walking and everything you know, I saw all the um, the scenes of the dark night, and I couldn't sleep. And you know, so there's so many things associated with it that doesn't make logical sense for me to like, I guess. But somehow, when I hear it, all these memories come flooding back. Right. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you think you th- uh, <laughs> Wow, I'm really struggling to say this. When was the first time you heard Michael Bublé? Um, Not I can't to- remember. <laughs> anytime anyone asks me anything about first times, I'm like, I don't know. Bleed the fifth, that's it's right. like, first time you play piano. <laughs> well, with that said, news, uh, here is Michael Bublé, Home. But I wanna go home. Mm-hmm. 
Be surrounded by a million people I still feel all alone Just wanna go home Oh, I miss you, you know Well said, Michael. Nice job. So, I need to ask you this news. I this... love the part, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I love the part when he says I'm surrounded by so many people, but I just want to go home. It's like, I mean, I guess it happens, you know, especially in music and yeah. you get to meet so many people. And if you're lucky, you get to travel to so many different places. And it's like, where like sometimes you just feel this sense of like, I really want to be at this one particular place or with this one particular person. Right. Uh... This tune is less jazz, um, maybe more country. What do you What do you think about that? Um, sure. What do you <laughs> <say>? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, I'm sorry, I'm terrible with genres. No, it's okay. What What do you What do you sort of take away from this? I mean, we we did we did talk about Doty playing it more acoustic, and this is still acoustic in a way um it's it's less jazz than he's usually doing in that way what what do you think he's doing differently in this is it it's more simple what do you so you know like it doesn't have huge extended complicated harmonies he doesn't do like very embellished runs and it's just you know straightforward right Right. Um, so in that way, maybe it's a little bit similar to Doty. Oh, so maybe I do have a musical test. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the lyrics that open up the song? You did mention the a million people I still feel all alone, but he starts by saying, another summer day has come and gone away in Paris and Rome, but I want to go home. What yeah. do you think that means? I mean, like... The world is a big place, right? And oh, yeah. I guess for someone who travels so much and has seen so many things, it's like... For him, I guess, there's a place where he feels most, you know, comfortable with himself or he wants to be there. And I think a lot of... At least for me, I think I feel that too. Right. Um, yeah. Because I think, I mean, I've kind of grown up in different places and mm, I wouldn't say, like, the States is my home, but... Hmm. You know, in every place that we visit, we sort of find little bits and pieces that we can. Do you think? Do you think maybe he's missing his family? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Probably. Okay. Okay. I would say so. Like the people, mm, just as much as the place. Right. Yeah. Because the place can be as memorable, but won't be as memorable as the people that you're surrounded with. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. We're getting into some really deep topics today, Muse. Really, really deep. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Muse's favorite topic of discussion. I need to ask you this, Muse. The next song you gave us is by Jason Robert Brown. See, okay. I'm smiling from the last five years. This is a hot button issue I need to address right away. Uh, okay. Do you like the movie version better or the Broadway version better? Mm. I've never really, I've never seen it on Broadway. As in, you mean the stage version? Yeah, yeah. Do you, or do you like, or just the maybe the Broadway recording versus the movie recording? Ah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Well, I love um, Jeremy Jordan. Mm. Actually, apparently, I see, I see alum. I see alum. That's it, right. Yeah, but he, I think he brings so much into 
whatever it is he does you know like every word he means so mm. i guess i'm biased <laughs> okay okay um but i think i would prefer if he did it on broadway you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah 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 because there's something about film that's like I don't know. More, <laughs> m- more uh, elaborately. Right. Planned. Yeah. You know that you can't just do whatever you want, really. Yeah, like cats in that way. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who uh, don't understand the show, it is very hard to understand. But Muse, would you like the difficult task of trying to introduce the show? think it's hard to understand but i mean maybe it is um well i suppose if you just listen to it with no context it would be hard to understand so right. basically there are only two characters and they tell their five-year love story um from opposite sides meaning the guy starts off at the beginning like when they first met and you know from from the very beginning of their love story to the end while the female starts from the end of their story and goes to the start mm. so the very f- two very first songs you hear are her at the end of their relationship singing still hurting and him singing the start of you know when they first met and everything was exciting so you get this like just juxtaposition between every song until there's one that they meet in the middle because that's you know the middle of the story and then it goes again i think that's when they get married is that right um yeah, I think that's uh, when he sort of proposes. Oh, right. Okay. I think um, it's called The Next Ten Minutes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank Could you, Muse. Wrong, but I think that's right. <laughs> Let's check it out. Here is a little bit of this song called See, I'm Smiling. I can't believe you really came And that we're sitting on this pier See, I'm smiling That means I'm happy that you're here I stole this sweater from the costume shop It makes me look like Daisy May. See, we're laughing. I think we're gonna be okay. I mean, we'll have to try a little harder and bend things to and fro to make this love as special as it was Well, thank you, Sherry Renee Scott. And as we come into this next section, Muse, his writing can be incredibly intricate and really hard. And I know people who have told me people who play this are crazy because there are something called Jason Brown, Jason Robert Brown isms, because the music itself is really hard and really technically challenging. How hard is it to play his music? Have you played it before? Uh, I have. This song is actually... I don't think this song is one of those, um, like, really hard ones. 
Right. Um, it's definitely groovy. I think groove is a big part of Jason Rowland's songs to get, right. to get the right feel for it. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that he writes, he improvises. You know, like he doesn't think yeah. of it in terms of these specific notes. Hmm. Um, so whatever you know, the very difficult passages are, I think, more or less fits into his hand, and this is that is his sound. Hmm. Um, so when it's written down and other people play it, it becomes difficult. Yeah. Um, so there are these like crazy runs and you know like some intricate patterns, but it's like a groove, you know, like it's a sound. Yeah. Rather than thinking it from a, like a technical point right. of view. Right. Have you and you haven't seen this live before? I think you said that before, right? No, I have not. Yeah. What do you like about his music? What makes it so unique? Um, I think it just has a really unique sound. Like so many of his things, when you listen to it, you're like, I can hear that. It's just not the Um, <clears throat> I, I guess I also just love the story of this show too. Yeah. But more specifically about the music, like it's technically, like to sing it, it's difficult too because the range is like sort of everywhere. Yeah. But all these complicated elements, like the rhythm and the pitch, and all of that, sort of locks together. And I think I find that kind of amazing. You know how all these different things come together. Right. Um, when they could be very separate and different things. Right. And he he does a really good job about talking about relationships in his in his songs. I think. Do you have you ever heard of um, a show that he did? It's more of a rev- like a review of songs that he created called "Songs for New World." Other show, you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know it so well. But, um... <laughs> There's some really hard things in there that he wrote, but like you said, it's very improvisatory, and he does a really nice job with with fitting in grooves and stuff. And with yeah. that in mind, we're going to be moving into Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Swift loves songs. Really. Uh, virtually the same person. <laughs> Astonishingly, news. This is the first time someone played Taylor Swift in my podcast. Which, really? yeah, which wow. is amazing. I think what do that your guests have against Taylor Swift. The guests have no taste. I I don't know why <laughs> they don't have any Taylor Swift in their playlist, Muse. But you added it. You were the first one to add Taylor Swift. How or where did you first hear of Taylor Swift? Is that a, is that a good question to ask? Because I know maybe you'll maybe plead the fifth again. Oh God! Here we go again with the first. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Same as always. Okay. Um, but this is like one of those songs where you know it came out quite early on, right? Probably when right. I was like, yeah. like ten or twelve or something. Yeah. And I remember um, singing along to this, and I would like dance around in my mirror in my room. And it just reminds me of like an innocent time where I was just a little kid, you know, like having fun in my room. <laughs> like <laughs> nobody does that nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here is "Love Song" by none other than Taylor Swift. We were both 
flashback starts, I'm standing there On the balcony in summer air See the lights, see the party, the ball games See you make your way through the crowd and say hello Taylor Swift. I need to ask you, the thing that really always comes out to me when I listen to her music is her lyrics. I think that they're honest, and they're personal, and they're beautiful. What do you like her about her music? Is it, do you like dancing to it? Do you like, do you like bopping to it? (laughs) I do. This is one of the um, first songs that I actually knew the lyrics to because mm. usually I don't really know the lyrics um, I know the feel of the song I know you know what kind of mood it evokes I can maybe hear the instruments but the actual lyrics themselves I hardly I can't like remember them you know yeah but this is one of the songs that I actually know um, so I guess something about the lyrics must have just really yeah um, attracted me to it I guess and something I've noticed over the past four songs we've listened to, the songs have always, the songs that you've given me have really pushed the word relationship. Mm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Push the word relationship. Okay, you mean in like a romantic way? Maybe not in a romantic way, but sort of in like a way that um, you can connect to people and have a sort of mm. like a friendship or be with someone, or sort of work with someone, a working relationship as well. I think that most of the songs you gave me today were based on relationships, were they not? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I didn't actually have that in mind when I was uh, right. putting that together, but okay. yeah, I can definitely see that thread. Okay. Um, I think that's important to me, like, as a person, you know, and through my music making to, like, what am I trying to achieve through... Um, this repertoire, I guess, and these sounds, and then I think, at the moment, my conclusion is like, it is about the people, you know, and and it's about exploring things together, and it's about what kind of bonds you can make, right. and the connections that you have with every single person that you work with. Do you have a connection to the song itself through Taylor Swift? Um, well, my biggest connection to it is that I was about I was at a time where I could be free and let go and not have, you know, a lot of worries about really anything. Right, and yeah. I could just sing along to it in my room and watch my stupid face in the mirror like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest thing with this song anyway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So now we're gonna take a left on Classical Avenue and mm-hmm. use yeah, his I little had to put one in there, right? I could you, not. You, you gotta. <laughs> I mean 
most of my guests stay with what they're talking about. But Muse, you're super special. You got to go for the classical number five. Classical number five being Gabriel Fauré. I'm going to totally say this wrong, so Muse, feel free to correct me. A Clamet from Sync Melody. Uh, and the recording that I took is from Eilish Tynan. And who introduced you to this song? Mm. Well, you got to stop asking me this question. <laughs> like, I really just... I mean, this this whole interview is... Um, this whole podcast is me saying, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Where did you first... Did you Have you played it before? <laughs> I'm going to say, when did I first hear it? When? <laughs> <laughs> like my friends singing it or um, in concerts uh, I'm actually playing it now like for real seriously if that makes me mm, mm. like I'm actually learning all the proper notes <laughs> <laughs> so if I need to I need to ask you one last thing um, right before we play it here mm-hmm. if if you're sort of starting as an inspiration and you want to inspire someone new to collab piano, what is something you would recommend to them to start working on that skill? Are we talking about collaborative piano as a skill or as, as like, as a, as a as person, I guess? How about because a, it's different things, right? So right. But if you talk about skills, then definitely, honestly, I would say learn singing. Because, you know, mm. if you play with instruments that breathe, you kind of have to breathe with them. And as a pianist, it's like, we don't really need to breathe without playing. Right. You know, so what with all these, you know, like voice and all the brass and the woodwinds, there's this space that you need to take that is like... Right. It should become second nature as the pianist that's playing with them. Right. You just need an um, oxygen I would mask. say also work on your sight reading because people are going to throw crap at you all the time. <laughs> um, She's pointing at me, everyone, if you can't see right now, but she is. <laughs> but I should also say, if, you, if you're not breathing, then you're obviously using an oxygen mask in that sense. <laughs> right, right, of course, you're not going to be doing that, but I'm glad you mentioned that because um, that is something that is really important, breathing as well. Especially for trumpet players. If you, if you didn't breathe, then you wouldn't be... Right, only for trumpet players. Everybody else, you know, it's fine. They don't have to breathe. But trumpets, you know, they got a real thing about breathing. They got a, they got a they real deal. They oxygen, you know? Yeah, if, if not, then we couldn't power our, our humongous egos at that point. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay, all right, Muse, I will stop bothering you. And here is Gabrielle Fauré's Acclamant through her Sunk Melodies de Venice.
So beautiful, Muse. This is awesome. Uh, it's clear what the vocalist is doing at this time. She's singing through her phrases, but as a pianist, what do you pick upon when you're listening to this? Um, I think it's different for every sort of genre, let's call it, of music, as in, like, within classical, you know, if it's, you know, Schubert or if it's Wolf, or in this case, it's Foray. Um, for Foray, as the pianist, I guess, there's so much of the harmonic language that's embedded in the accompaniment. Right. Um, and, you know, that's what makes it very different to, let's say, Schubert. Because you can kind of stick the same melody with a different accompaniment, and you could make it sound like Schubert. Mm. <laughs> right. So, so the the piano part really makes everything like everything that surrounds the melody, um, the sound world that's in. Right. Yeah. I need to ask you another thing. Uh, when you're working on this with someone. Do you like to bring your own interpretation to the table, or is it something that the singer just tells you, this is what we're going to do? Hmm. Normally, I would say normally it's a conversation. Hmm. Okay. That it's, um, you know, like you kind of, hopefully I would have an idea, or as the pianist, we would have an idea of what the text means and how we interpret the text. Because, you know, with a lot of this poetry, you can spin it like either way. Hmm. So if two people both have some sort of sense of what they want it to be, then it's easier to work out the detail. For example, where to breathe, how loud is this phrase? Because if you're trying to say, the water is so calm here, Mm. You wouldn't do that like forte, or you wouldn't do that staccato, or you wouldn't like try to push the tempo. So I think for me, a lot of detail, like musical details, come from, especially in song, what the text and um, what the accompaniment is trying to portray. Right. So usually, I think it would benefit from a conversation because if your ideas are different, you know, like if suddenly your singer wants to push this phrase, but for me, I feel like this phrase wants to push back, then you can't you know, agree. And if you have a conversation about what it's about and why they're trying to do it, you understand it more and can be on the same page. Right, right. A lot better, yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Muse. Your playlist was diverse. It was unique. It was awesome. Thank you for sharing it with us today. So when we come back, I have seven questions that I'm going to try to stump Muse on to see if she knows her... Time to watch me fail. <laughs> to see if she can build on her music theory skills and uh, stick around. We'll be right back. with uh, Muse and Muse we're going to check out your music theory skills right now and here is a question actually before right, I wait, even go into question. it yeah sure question. sure 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 absolutely can I google the answers of course if you don't know the <laughs> okay, answers right. you, you, you have the skill to do that absolutely and uh, are, you, are you ready to take on this trivia challenge I am with Let- my trusted friend <laughs> Here we go. Number question number one. In the system of writing Western musical notation, 
Five lines drawn horizontally across a sheet of music are known collectively as. The stop. That is correct. Okay. Question one, correct. Here we go. Question number two. On a staff, a note head is represented by which of the following shapes? Is it an oval? Is it a circle? Or is it a triangle? Triangle, definitely. A triangle. Muse, it's an oval. Wait, what? <laughs> Muse is like, oh you my mean, goodness. It's an oval? It's Jeez, an oval. My whole life has been a lie, Sean. Thank I, you so much. For yeah. I, I could have gone my whole life thinking it was a triangle, honestly. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to redact that question from, from this interview. I'm so sorry. Here we go. Here's question number three. Which of the following is the name assigned to the symbol at the beginning of the staff that is to determine the pitch of a particular line? Is it a clef? Is it a time signature? Or is it the tempo? Wow, you're really stretching me here, John. Mm, I know. This is, this is this terrible. Is, I know. Um, can I call a friend or something? You totally can call a friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have a friend in the Do you have a friend in the room? I, I think it's. I, my friend says it's a clef. Yeah, it is. A, is it's. So it's, I'm, it's just a, gonna, I'm just gonna trust him on it. It's a clef. That that is absolutely correct. You've yes. you've now okay. accumulated Damn, two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars, almost there. Here we go, for three hundred dollars. Here we go. The position of a single sound within a complete range of sound is known as. What? <laughs> I will read that again. Here we go. The position of a single sound within the complete range of sound is known as. Okay, I'm properly like stumped here. Would you like to uh, uh, would you like to call a friend? A single, a single sound within. A what? A collection of sounds. A collection of sounds. Do you have some options for me that I can choose? Sure. Is it uh, is it a whole tone? Is it a pitch? Or is it an orange? <laughs> I'm not really sure I understand what that means. I guess it's a pitch. That is correct. All right. It's a pitch. Okay. The singular sound within a complete range of sounds is a pitch. Okay, here we go. Question: okay. You so far have won five hundred dollars. Let's find. Let's keep going. This is yes. for this is for four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. Which of the following terms is used to describe a small line that extends the musical step above or below, and that is drawn parallel to the staff across a note head and sometimes across the note stem? What is it? I know this. I know this. I know this. Oh my god, it is a ledger line. That is correct. That's awesome. Yes. Good job, Muse. Muse, you have 700 wait. You have 9 <laughs> you have $900 right now. Going to continue Damn, to I'm win up. Richer. You're going to be this is for, for I know exactly. This is going to set you up for the most success. Here we go. For for $1000. Which scale is the only major scale that doesn't use sharps or flats? 
That is correct. I thought I could stump you on that one, but it did not work. Here Give we go. Try. I, I, I did try. So you know, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're basically really, you're, you're basically a, you're basically a millionaire at this point. Let's let's continue <laughs> this in. Let's continue this next question. This is a really tough question. I promise. The smallest oh musical gosh. interval, the distance between two adjacent notes, is known as. Um, a quarter tone? That is correct. <laughs> Great job, Muse. Muse. I mean, I'm sure you could go, you know, even smaller than that. Even, even smaller, but the, the answer that I wrote down was semitone, but I think that you had the correct answer thinking about quarter tones. Those were even spikier, <laughs> oh, yeah. sp- spicier than I was even thinking right. of. Here we go. Muse, this is for the million dollar prize. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, here we go. I am so ready. A heptatonic scale consisting of five whole tone notes and two semitones represents which type of scale? Uh, could you say that again? Sure. A heptatonic scale consisting of five whole tone, high, five whole tones and two semitones represents which type of scale? After thinking about it mm. for, you know, and contemplating it for a very long time. Right, right, of course. My uh, conclusion is now it is the major scale. It is. It's, it's a diatonic scale. That is correct. Muse, you oh, are right. a millionaire. How do you feel? <laughs> um, I guess in a different reality, rich. <laughs> Well, thank you, Muse. You've been a great sport throughout all this, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Is there anything yeah, you would? For me. Of course, my pleasure. Is there anything you would like to share with our audience before we get going? Um. Well, I just hope everybody is doing okay during this time because, I mean, <laughs> not being able to see anyone, and you know, with all of our um, work, I guess. Yeah based around being with people in spaces in many different ways. It's, you know, right. sometimes it's like hard to find the motivation to keep going, but I guess, you know, everything will pass. And when it does, we can be properly ready for it. Yeah. Well, well said, Muse, and thank you again for joining the show. And hopefully we'll have you come back. and. Uh, my next season is based on relationships through music, so if you have anyone in mind you would like to do it with, let me know, and I'd love to have you back on. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. Okay. Thanks, Muse. I'll see you next time. Thank you, Muse, and you've been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Also this week, I'll have the chance to interview Chris Coulter on the show, discussing his past as a jazz musician and as an educator. And that's it for me. I'm Sean Ramkunis, and keep listening to what you love.